Someone left me this L, and I don't know what to do with it. Why, why don't you put it right in the middle of your forehead? Yeah, thanks. No, I'm just kidding. It's not my L. Um, I was thinking, though, you, you could sing like a La 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 song with a letter L. Yeah, that sounds great. No, I'm serious. You, you know, you could sing some La La La's and, and then some pretty words that start with L. You'd have a nice little song there. Oh, you mean like a La 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 La? No, come on, give it a try. Okay. La 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 Lemon La La all right, and we're coming to you live with a little bit of Wayne's World humor to start things off. Welcome to the broadcast, son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, wow, we just peaked all over the place. It's like, once we actually start recording, suddenly we're... It's it's the whole, like, for some reason we we do our, our sound check and, like, nice, quiet, conversational inside voices. And then we record the show projecting to the back of the internet. <laughs> You know, just in case those guys, those of you back there can't hear us or anything, we're also probably projecting right into Lindsay's room. But. Yeah, probably. Anyway, welcome to episode L of the Ground Control Podcast. I am, as always, Adam the Action Man. And I am Major Tom, and L is for keeping Lindsay awake, so <laughs> there you go. Sorry, Lindsay. <laughs> She's sleeping. So, episode L. I don't know if we've ever actually explained how we generate... We must have explained how we generate the, the episode letters, hey? There's a random... I found a random character generator, and I just click on it, and I every time we do an episode, I delete that letter, and I'm like, okay, what are we down to? Yeah, so we're doing the alphabet, but we're not doing it in any particular order in case you're trying to listen to the archives, because I know a lot of you are really dedicated. To oh, them. yeah, like, we, we get tons of fan mail from you guys. Like, it, it's through the roof. Yeah, although next time, more free massage coupons, please. Pretty please. And we appreciate the naked pictures, except the ones coming from the guys. Not being homophobic, just not our taste. You know what? Keep them coming. At the very least, in a post-apocalyptic world where for some reason my computer still works, I can use them as barter. <laughs> and, yeah, I guess we can't actually afford to be picky, no matter how much we want to believe we can. <laughs> yeah, so episode L. I guess, oh, we are recording this exactly one hour before the start of Remembrance Day, so we should just take a moment to say thank you? I guess. For me, Remembrance Day is a really complicated event because I'm not a pacifist, but I'm the kind of person who believes that, that violence is almost never justified, and so I have a really hard time positively memorializing violent conflicts. But on the other hand, my grandfather was a veteran, my great-grandfather was a veteran, and I think it is really important that people are willing to put their lives in the line when it matters. And one thing I just... I know this is going to be way past Remembrance Day by the time anybody hears this, but this is something I want people to think about. In Canada, whenever we talk about Remembrance Day, people always say, time to remember those who fought and died for our country. And I just want to point out, that's not true. Canadian soldiers, since like the War of 1812, have not fought and died for Canada. They've actually done something what I consider to be a lot more important and a lot more noble, which is fought and died for other people. Mm -hmm. People they don't have a connection to. People, it's not selfish. It is absolutely as unselfish as it could possibly be to to fight against uh, particularly World War II. World War II is the easy war. Mm -hmm. But even more recent conflicts where you have a clear enemy. Somalia is a good example where, where the warlords are you know using starvation as a military tactic. For military intervention in those situations is so much more important than just fighting to protect your home because you're fighting for an ideal and you're fighting for people who cannot fight for themselves. So that's my little brief moment of military theory. Well, I mean, I 
don't know if I had anyone in my family who fought in either of the Great Wars, like World War... I, I don't like the term Great War, because it, it takes the word great and it maligns it, but... Well, I mean, it, it's more a traditional use of the word great, because great really just used to mean big. True enough, okay. But my grandfather on my mother's side did serve in the Royal Canadian Air Force. I never knew him. So there, there is that. I do have respect for anyone who serves in the Army. And I guess my cousin, actually. My second cousin also served in the Air Force. I, do, I have great respect for them. And I think that they do something... I don't necessarily like it, but I do agree that, like you say, that at times it is the last resort. It is necessary. And that they do it for those... That, I mean... Canada is like the U.S. in a way that we've never had to really defend ourselves on our own soil in, like, over 100 years now. Yeah. So, I mean, they they are constantly going out there. And I, the, the the idea behind World War II, and even to an extent World War One, was that if we don't stop this enemy now, it may come to our home soil, you know, and it may, may get that far. Yeah. But, I mean, that really isn't the whole story. It can't be, because... The threat was to other people. The threat was across the ocean, and it may have taken it becoming bigger than it initially was before we got involved, but I think the ma- the fact is that we did get involved. We did see the need there. Yeah, and if you were, let's just say that World War II had never happened, but it was happening now, if you were trying to recruit and you wanted to recruit me, I would sign up a lot faster for these guys are committing genocide to these people, mm-hmm. then if a bunch of other countries fail to stop them, they might threaten us someday. Yeah. Because that's like, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll deal with it when we get to there. But it's like, oh, no, no, these, this is like a genocide happening. And I mean, it's still happening today, and I don't, I'm not in the military, but that's why I really respect the people who are, because in theory, the, right now, there are Canadian troops out there who are sticking up for, for people who cannot stick up for themselves. It's, it's like, it's a complicated topic. So let's just say that L is for lest we forget, which is nice. kind of the theme of Remembrance Day. Yeah. So we raise a glass. Cheers. Woo. All right, on to the what we think of as funny parts. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we could say what we've been doing lately, although... The problem with recording these back-to-back is we haven't done anything new since the last podcast except drink a beer. Yeah, okay, but one thing we didn't talk about last podcast that we can talk about right now is what have you been playing? Games. Oh, video games. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I know what you've been playing a little bit. Batman. Yeah. (laughs) Just hours and hours of Arkham City. Actually, that's not entirely true. So I played a ton of Arkham City. That, That is true. As of today, I finished the game. I have all of the Catwoman trophies and most of the Batman trophies for the Riddler things. I did all the side quests. Arkham City is a really big, really fun, really ridiculous game, and it really captures a lot of what makes Batman really cool. Like, you fly around, you save people, because there's actually like people on the streets that are political prisoners, and you can oh, save cool. them for being beaten up by the hardcore prisoners. I'm going to assume everybody knows the premise of the game. And you get to, like, viciously wreck dudes like you could in Arkham Asylum. Oh. You get lots of gadgets, but... Like, a lot of it comes down to actually Batman being heroic. One of the main plot twist things, and I'm going to give it away because it's pretty early on in the game, but spoiler alert just in case, in in Arkham Asylum, at the end, Joker has essentially poisoned himself with the Super Titan formula. And at the beginning of Arkham City, he poisons Batman by giving him a dose of of Joker's own blood. And Batman's like, nuts to you, I'll just let us both die. And Joker's like, yeah, I kind of thought you might say that. So I went ahead and infected everybody in Gotham with the same poison. Jesus. So essentially, the main plot of the game is Batman 
having to do this quest, to do this mission adventure thing, to save the entire population of Gotham. But because he's Batman, he essentially has no choice but to save the antidote with his worst enemy. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Thank you, Batman. <laughs> In addition to that, I bought Rocksmith for my PlayStation, which is the first guitar rhythm game that lets you play with a real guitar. At least the first one I know of. Uh, it's currently on PlayStation and Xbox. It's coming out for PC soonish, probably for Christmas. It comes, the basic edition comes with the game and the fancy cable that you plug into your electric or presumably your uh, your acoustic pickup. And expensive versions, 200 bucks, comes with the game, the cable, and an Epiphone. Junior, yeah, because Arn was looking, we were looking at it when we were in Walmart. Now it's only for the PS3, right? Like It's, it's PS3 not... and Xbox. Oh, it is Xbox. Okay, yeah. the only copies we saw were PS3. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, I got the PS3 version because it reviewed slightly better on Metacritic and they cost the same. Oh, Metacritic. My only complaint about it is that my electric guitar, because I, I had my own, I have a, a, not an Epiphone, an Ibanez electric, it has a little bit of a burr on the neck around the third or fourth fret, and so if you do a lot of like bar chords and slides, which a lot of the songs require you to do, you get cut. So I have like this little red rashy spot at the first knuckle of my left index finger. L is for lesions. <laughs> It will probably callous up pretty soon, but it's awful and sore right now. That really sucks. I mean, it's good, but, you know, yeah, pain sucks. I guess I could just sand my guitar, but that sounds kind of dirty. <laughs> well, you just got to stroke the shaft with some harsh paper. <laughs> I Wait, probably not shaft, the neck with some hard paper. Yeah. Anyways. Do we have time for you to do what you need to do? What do I need? Oh, games I've been playing. Uh, it's pretty simple, honestly. Um, I played a little bit of League of Legends, which is also L. It's an L, hey. Which is... We talked about freemium in the last podcast, freemium games, and how much the the freemium thing is the spawn of Satan, basically, here <laughs> to destroy the Earth. Maybe not in so many words. But League of Legends is actually everything that I think a freemium game should be, because you at no time do I ever feel pressured into spamming my friends, into paying money, into anything like that. The right. option is there to pay money. But any, pretty much anything you can pay, get with money, you can get just by playing the game and building up points. Now, I downloaded League of Legends, but haven't actually played it past the tutorial. Okay. It's basically Warcraft 3. Well, it's basically the champions of Warcraft 3. The thing is, is you, you, you're always in the same battle map. Okay. There's only one, unless you're playing the Dominion game, which I haven't even touched. I don't even play PvP right now, because, like... Okay. <laughs> I go, and I get with a bunch of other people, and we play bots. Because I can beat bots. Right. And right now, that's the level I'm at. But yeah, basically, you have a team of five, you're against five others, you have to get pat. they'll have towers built. Yeah. There, there's no building, like, you can't build anything. Okay. You just, you go, and you'll fight their champions, and they'll have minions who will come at you, and your option is to get to the center of their base and destroy their main nexus point. Yeah, it's sort of like, got like a tower defense element to it. Yeah, actually, it's very tower defense in that manner. And you've got lots of different characters you can choose from. It's got a lot of facets to it, actually, that you don't think about. About. like you play it through a few times and you're like okay I've got this down but then you realize that no there's it's a very patient game you can't just run out there right because you'll get killed a few a bunch of times and basically all you're doing then is feeding the enemy then the enemy just gets more powerful and then you're making things worse for the rest of your team because you are delicious exactly but it's it's a lot of fun so I've been playing that I've been playing prototype which does not start with L unfortunately I guess you'd say L is for lame yeah I enjoy it to a point. I'm having some... I'm, I'm not, I don't hate it. I'm enjoying fun. I'm enjoying the sandboxy aspect of it more than anything else. Yeah. Yeah, it's too bad you don't own a PS3, actually, because um, Infamous is 
what Prototype wanted to be, but mm. like way better. The one thing I've got to say is if you've ever played Assassin's Creed and you've ever found yourself shouting at the t- TV like, No, Ezio, what the fuck are you doing? Why are you climbing that building? <laughs> you will you will love Ezio by the end of ten minutes of Prototype. You will long for Ezio's control scheme. Like, all of his little scampering up the wrong wall will seem like delightful pranks to you, <laughs> opposed to what Alex Mercer does. The man just does not... He, he has a hatred for controllers of any type. That being said, the sandboxy elements are fun. The consume stuff is fun. I find it hard to get into the character because you're essentially playing an asshole out to destroy humanity, Yeah, essentially. He's, he's such a, just an enormous jackass. And that's the thing, is I've, I've talked about this before, that, you know, the, the whole choice option in games where you get to choose to be good or evil... I, and a lot of people I know, will always choose the good option. Because in the end, I'm playing games because I want to be looked at as a hero. I want people to think I'm a good guy. I've saved them. Well, and you know what? The good option is usually so much easier to play than the evil option. Well, I can relate to it at least, right? If I was in that situation, that's what I like to think I would do. Yeah, and it's it's easier to motivate the good characters. Because if you play these games, it's always like, Hey, there's this shipment of medical supplies over here. You can go get uh, capture the medical supplies and give them to somebody, or you could just destroy them for no reason at all. Or the option is you can take them and you sell them at a high price and make a bunch of money, but maybe the people who really need them and can't afford them don't get them. Well, the way that would work out if I was Han Solo is I'd take it and I'd make a lot of noise about how, oh my god, I can't believe I'm giving this away to people, and then I would do it. Because in the end, I'm a jerk, but I'm not a dick. Yeah, and Alex Mercer is a dick. Like, he's just an asshole. If he was an ice cream flavor, he'd be (laughs) pralines and dick. Wow, two Wayne's World references within an hour. I kind of want to watch Wayne's World, I'll be honest with you. Yeah, it's been a while for me. Yeah, me too. Uh, We should probably get into the meat of the show, I guess. I suppose we're a little bit in, although we have had some L moments already. Yeah, fair enough. But I took League of Legends, so I will turn it over to you. Oh yeah, I guess so. Okay, so I'm just going to straight up read from my favorite material for the show, which is Castle's Dictionary of Superstitions by... Someone who's not Castle. David Pickering. But imagine Frank Castle. Frank Castle, or... What is Castle's first name in I've Castle? I've only seen like two episodes. Oh, I just okay. refer to him as Nathan, Nathan Castle. Nathan Castle? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or Castle Fillion. <laughs> actually, Castle Fillion is actually a proud monument somewhere in, in Ireland, I think. Fillion? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, I'm just going to read this. Lightning. The Ooh. age-old fear of thunder and lightning, once credited to the anger of the gods, is reflected in the body of superstitions designed to offer comfort to those seeking reassurance that they will be safe from it. The tradition that lightning never strikes twice in the same place is unfortunately demonstrably untrue. The Empire State Building was once recorded as having received 68 lightning strikes in just three years, but it remains a universally popular fallacy. Opinions differ over which trees to offer the safest shelter in a storm, with some recommending the oak and others preferring the beech or walnut. A Sussex rhyme rejects all these in favor of the hawthorn. Beware of the oak, it draws the stroke. Avoid the ash, it courts the flash. Creep under a thorn, it can save you from harm. That's my Sussex accent, by the way. I I have no idea what a Sussex accent sounds like. Sussex doesn't start with L. You don't need to worry about it. Uh, Wood taken from a tree that has been struck by light should never, U.S. superstition dictates, be burned on a domestic hearth, as this will draw lightning towards the home itself. Wait, wait. Wait, really? Yeah, that's what it says. I would only burn that wood from lightning. I'd have the most metal hearth in the world. You'd put, like, this giant lightning rod and then just, like, burn lightning-struck wood underneath it. Totally. And you could power Tesla coils or something. I remember as a child always thinking that Tesla coil was funny. Yeah. <laughs> 
Opening doors and windows in a thunderstorm so that any lightning bolt that does enter the house will be able to escape again is advised in many areas, as is the putting away or covering up of mirrors and metal objects like scissors, which are said to attract the strike. Because lightning apparently works like a scared bird. Apparently. Just on the matter of the whole Tesla coil thing, when me and my brothers were young and we played Red Alert. Red Alert, we read it wrong. We always referred to them as Telsa coils. Telsa. Yeah, because we just reversed the L and the yeah, S, okay. basically. Yeah. But if they were Tulsa coils, then they'd be like, like sort of down-home country and western, but shoot lightning at you. If they were tundra coils, they'd be like very sparse and cold, but with a few trees every so often. Tundra coils. It's got to be a way to work that into something. <laughs> we'll, we'll work on it for you. Keeping acorns or plants such as elder, hazel, Christmas holly, and house leek in the house is also supposed to deflect lightning. If further reassurance is required, this is my favorite part, tying a snakeskin around the head will provide added protection. Wait, the head of what? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like your head? Your head, yeah. Just, like, wear a snakeskin headband. Like, Rambo never gets struck by lightning, apparently. <laughs> what if you don't have ready access to snakeskin? Like, you just rip apart a pair of boots, or what are you supposed to do? Why not buy a snakeskin belt, I guess? I guess. <laughs> Get a snakeskin tie, and it's just always Rambo o'clock, I guess. <laughs> uh, wearing natural silk and sleeping on a feather mattress. Keeping one's distance from the family dog is also a good idea, as dogs' tails are alleged by some to attract lightning. Really? Sure, why not? I cannot think of any instance where a dog would get r routinely struck by lightning on the tail. Though that might explain why dogs are so terrified during thunderstorms. I just think they're big pussies, honestly. <laughs> I've only had labs, usually, and they're big sucks. Uh, in times gone by, it was considered foolhardy to look directly at a lightning flash, as this was reputed to make people mad. <laughs> Everything made people mad. Uh, neither is it advisable to draw someone else's attention to the lightning, as this will draw the bolt, and the old custom of counting the seconds between the flash and the thunder to determine how many miles away the storm is should also be discouraged, according to some. So, drawing someone's attention to the lightning will get you struck by lightning. I should have been struck by lightning a million times. Hey, Tom, I'm look, lightning. Yeah. Ah! Well, and I'm constantly, like, if I'm with someone and there's a lightning storm, I'm like, oh, look, over there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I know that's ridiculous because, like, by the time they actually react or <laughs> I've even said it, it's gone. Long gone. Um, any fire started by lightning can be extinguished by pouring cow's milk over the flames. I think any fire that's <laughs> not a grease fire could be extinguished by pouring cow's milk. It's a liquid, right? Uh, this is good. Christian mythology claims it was the Virgin Mary who created lightning as a means of warning against Satan's thunder, allowing men on earth just enough time to cross themselves for safety's sake. In gratitude to the Virgin, some people click their tongues three times whenever the lightning flashes. Okay, I want, I want to go back over this again. <laughs> so Mary, the mother of our Lord Jesus Christ, yeah. created lightning. Yes. So lightning is only 2,000 years old. Right. To warn people that the devil was going to make a scary noise. Yes, that's exactly what that means. So no, no one in the world pro saw a problem with this idea, or thought, well, that seems pretty dumb. Yeah, or, hey, I thought there was lightning before Mary. <laughs> yeah, like, Do, doesn't, wasn't Zeus the god of thunder? Or Thor, <laughs> or, or, or hell, it rained for 40 days and 40 nights on Moses, no, Noah, right? Like, right. I'm sure there was some thunder then. <laughs> So, lastly, it is said that close inspection of any site where lightning is struck may be rewarded by the discovery of devil's pebbles, or lightning stones, fragments in the shape of hatchets or arrowheads that have their own magical properties. Place an open wound, they will, according to the folklore of Alsace, bestow great strength upon the injured party, who will be able to strike his enemies dead simply by threatening with the words, may lightning crush you. That is just unbelievably complicated. So first, you have to have an enemy, which I guess most people do. May lightning crush you. Second... 
lightning has to strike uh, the ground. Thirdly, you have to find an, uh, a stone at the strike site in the shape of a hatch or an arrowhead. Fourthly, you have to put this stone in an open wound, and then you get magic. Which, okay, if it worked, that would be pretty wicked. Well, I, I'm having some trouble with the open wound part. Like, why <laughs> are you putting the stone in an open wound? It's so magically infected. <laughs> Magically infected makes it sound like uh, Frosted Lucky Charms. <laughs> They're magically infected. Frosted open wounds. <laughs> the interesting thing about Lightning, too, is that um, I've been watching a lot of X-Files lately. Like, a lot of X-Files. David Duchovny is not a good actor. I don't care what anyone <laughs> says. Gillian Anderson is delicious, though. Like, to the eyes. Like, if eyes could taste. Anyways, off topic. <laughs> That's almost as complicated as an Alsatian superstition. One of the episodes from season three, uh, the title of the episode being DPO, stars Jack Black and what? Giovanni Ribisi. Uh, like, a, main what, like a ten-year-old Jack Black? Yeah, well, well he definitely <laughs> looks like about ten. Giovanni Ribisi, basically he's a redneck hillbilly, which he plays very well because he's so freaking creepy. <laughs> Gains electrical powers and starts murdering people after okay. being struck by lightning. I think I vaguely recall that episode. Jack Black is his friend who knows about it. And plays guitar. No, no, actually he never does. <laughs> Shows everybody his penis. They, they work in an arcade and they play video games all day. <laughs> oh, okay. And, no, Giovanni Verbisi wants to show his penis to one of his old teachers who's like, the, you know, the sexy teacher that everyone wanted. Right. And now that he's got lightning powers, he figures he can get her for himself. Yeah, well... I'd do it with Ida if he had lightning powers. Yeah, well, you know, there's a lot of things I'd do if I had lightning powers, I'll be honest. Anyways, there's a lot of talk about lightning there. At one point, it's interesting because the town actually has a place, like, it's home to a lab where they create lightning. Like, they seed clouds and they try and cause lightning to happen. So the sheriff of the town figures that he knows everything about lightning. And every time Skull, Mulder and Scully come up with anything, it's like, did you know lightning, blah, blah, blah. Scientists <laughs> still don't understand how lightning works. And I got mad. I Like, Lindsay, if she was awake, could could validate that. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? We don't know how lightning works. We we know exactly how lightning works. Yeah. We just we can't control it because we're not fucking Superman. But... Or Zeus. Yes. Or Thor. Anyways, uh, good episode, but it was just really weird to see a young Jack Black and a young Giovanni Ribisi. Yeah. Although watching old X-Files episodes, I'm seeing a lot of old actors. Uh, the second episode has uh, Seth Green in it. Like he wow. must be like four, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's just crazy to see some. And, and there, there's more. It's all these actors who I'm like, oh my god, it's the guy who plays Monk, Adrian Monk. Oh, uh, Tony Shalhoub. Yeah, he's he's in one of them. He's a he's a he's a crazy scientist who's been pushed past the brink and he looks all scatterbrained. Which... Though at the time he would have been the guy from Wings. Very true. Yes. Wow, we've been talking for a long time already. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Ellis for lightning, I guess. Yeah, Ellis for a lot of lightning. A lot of lightning. And if you had lightning powers, picking up uh, whoever you could means that L is also for ladies. The ladies. Okay, so <laughs> I've got two things here. Okay. And I'm not sure which one I want to talk about. You just do both real quick. I suppose so. Okay, well, well, first off, we'll start with this one, because L, this one's fun. L is for <clears throat> the Large Hadron Collider. It sure is. The LHC, which we are—I believe—we're both in favor of here. I know I, I like I, the idea I'm, of it. Man, I am all about giant underground particle colliders. It's just like a supervillain layer waiting to happen. Uh, well, it, totally. I like, and it's just—if the world is ever threatened by aliens, there's got to be something we can do with that. Like, oh yeah, I'm sure. Given the shape of it, you can probably activate four points of it and create like a giant Death Star laser. Yeah, we just get Jeff Goldblum down there and you know, <laughs> he, he, he'll rig something up for us. I, uh, um, 
You guys know I'm an actor, right? <laughs> <laughs> a few facts about the Large Large Hadron is it's 27 kilometers long. Synchrotron is the technical term for it, which to me sounds like a pair of twin like Autobots. Synchrotron. Yeah, okay. How about but, that? But not like the racist ones from the second movie. Ugh. Like a, a cool pair that like do everything at exactly the same time, kind of, or finish each other's sentences and don't have gold teeth, you know, that sort of thing. You know, the more you you describe the synchrotron, the more I actually suspect they're not twins. They're just like a gay couple that's really in tune with each other. <laughs> you know what? I would accept that. I would be totally fine with that. Like, during the week, they fight Decepticons, but on the weekend, they're like picking out salmon-colored shirts together. Yeah, they, they you know, they, they cook up some fish with a nice uh, pesto on it. They have open a bottle of wine, you know. they're Call back. Yeah. They're very civilized, these, yeah. the, the synchrotrons. Oh, yeah. And um, all, the, all the other Autobots are like, uh, hey, can I ask you about these shoes? <laughs> <laughs> uh, RC has them go shopping with her all the time. Yeah. Yeah, no, I get it. Anyways, <laughs> to come back to the to the LHC. It's all nerdy in here. It always does. 27 kilometers long. Sorry, I guess I shouldn't complain about it getting all nerdy in here when we started with a 15-minute talk about video games. <laughs> and now we're talking about giant science fair projects. <laughs> okay, it's one of the most si- expensive experimental science things ever built, actually. The t- with a cost of, up at this point, or at the point that the article was written, 7.5 billion euros. Wow. Which is a substantial amount, honestly. That's a bit of scratch. It crosses the border between Switzerland and France in four different points. So I guess the hope is just that they always stay friendly, that there's never any trouble between Switzerland and France. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, although the, the Swiss I mean, aren't known for this. Yeah, exactly. Sorry to any Swiss listeners out there. But if you are out there, let us know, because damn, Switzerland, that, that, that shit be far away, yo. <laughs> So, basically, the way it works is they collide particles of opposing uh, opposing beams of particles. Either protons, which they can get up to an energy level of 7 terelectron volts. That's all one word, terelectron volt, which is probably the coolest measurement of energy I've heard of. A terelectron volt, yeah. Yeah, like if we were making Back to the Future now, we could have Christopher Lloyd, like, mispronounce that one instead of... Yeah, instead of gigawatt? Gigawatts. Jiggity biggity waddy dotties. Wow. Yeah. Now the thing is, or, or they can have a lead nuclei is the other type that they use, which can get up to 5.74 terelectron volts. So it's a little bit slower. Okay. Now they, they, it was built in 2008, and they were figuring, or 2007. Basically, they're figuring within a year they'd had they'd be doing experiments at max power at 7 TeV. They say. Okay. But. Currently, they've only ever had it up to 3.5. In fact, it's running at 3.5 now. We'll stop in 2012, and then they're going to have about a year downtime between. And uh, 2014 is where they figure they'll have it running at seven, where they'll have it up to its full capacity. Basically. So they're going to they're going to shut it down just to allay the concerns of all of those Mayan prophecy nutjobs. You know what? I didn't think about that, but that actually makes a lot of sense <laughs> now. Just just in case the world does start to end, they can be like, not us, <laughs> not our fault. We're out. We turned it off. Yeah, uh, on that topic, though... In your research on the uh, the LHC, did you find out anything about that particle that scientists were saying might be coming back from the future to stop its own creation? I think, was that the Higgs boson? Maybe. Yeah, I, they didn't mention it much. That's what they're looking for. Okay. That's, what the, that's one of the big things they hope to discover is the Higgs boson, which they say that they believe has been created, so they hope within the next year they will actually be able to see it being created. <laughs> 
Like they, they they have data that leads them to believe it's being created, but they haven't actually caught it being created yet. Theoretical physicists, man. Like how could, I, I don't know. I don't know how they can communicate with other other people. You know what? You can talk about religious people being faithful all you want. Theoretical physicists are so faithful to their theories. With the, the exception that hopefully most of them, if their theory was actually shown to be not true, would stop believing that theory. That's true. Unless you look at Einstein, who spent the latter half of his career, after finding out something that proved him wrong, spent the entire time trying to prove that wrong. Yeah. Some of them can get a little fanatical. And and to be fair, I, I mean, it's not good to believe in things that have been proven wrong, but because science isn't perfect, mm-hmm. it's good that people do question, even when something... You know? It's very true. I mean, even today, we're still getting people... I mean, Einstein may have said the, the, the speed of light is set, but we still have people who question that, and there are yeah. still s- experiments going on on both sides to yeah. prove and it right or wrong. Th- yeah, because there's always sort of, you know, stuff will come out in the science media being like, uh, turns out the speed of light has been changing throughout the history of the universe. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, I just want to do one quick L thing, because we're running out of time. Do it. L is for Lord of the Rings. Yes, it is. The new... One Ring tabletop role-playing game from Cubicle 7 just came out. It actually was supposed to be out in August. I guess some people got their copies at Gen Con. The website hasn't been updated forever, but our local game store finally got some copies on the shelf. Oh, did you pick one up? I did. Nice. I've been reading through it. It looks like, for my money anyway, it's the best job anyone's done of like simulating what it should feel like to be in a, in a Lord of the Rings kind of game, in that there's lots of walking and hugging. And elves. And... <laughs> All those elves. Um... This first game is is uh, it's called the Wilder or Adventures in the Wilderlands, and it takes place or it's, your adventures will take place starting five years after the events of The Hobbit, so the death of Smog, basically. And you're kind of confined to just the north, from basically the Shire, the Misty Mountains, Mirkwood, and Lake Town, and the the Dwarven area, the Iron Hills or whatever. Okay. Yeah. And so your characters will all come from that sort of area. So there's no Ro- Riders of Rohan, there's no Gondorians, Mordor is not a big concern yet. In this book, right. I, mean, I guess they plan on, on releasing more as things go. I just I'd be a writer of Rohan in a second. I, I think like, a, bam, yeah, done. I, I think that would be a pretty common response. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most likely. But yeah, the one of the interesting mechanics is that um, like the skill list is really simple, but they put a lot of emphasis on what are called heart skills. Like heart is one of your main stats, Captain Planet style, and there are things like song and uh, insight and like healing is a heart skill and so it's all about like really there's a lot of emphasis on helping your fellowship members right you get fellowship points which you can use to restore your hope stat because keeping your hope up is really important to keep the, the emphasis of or the effects of shadow at bay so again lots of hugging i i really love the fact that hope is a stat because i think it's a stat in all games that it just it isn't actually qualified on the sheet <laughs> We, I, we were actually talking about this a little bit yesterday, and I was saying I, I think that it does probably does a better job of doing of letting you play in Middle Earth without making you a member of the Fellowship than uh, the old game Lord of the Rings: The Third Age did, <laughs> right. where basically you play the backup Fellowship. You're a Gondorian knight who Gandalf shows up and's like, "All right, I've sent the Fellowship on their way, but in case they screw up, I need a backup Fellowship <laughs> following in their path." <laughs> just in case. And so you basically assemble the the brotherhood of the... Well, they don't really have any jewelry in this one. But <laughs> the brotherhood following the ring. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you have a dwarf, you have some elves, you, you straight up have a guy who looks like Legolas, Gandalf helps you at times. It, it's basically you're, you're the Fellowship 2.0. I love... I, I, I just... I kind of love that. 
because it's so awful. It seems <laughs> like it would be like if the scary movie guys made a Lord of the Rings. I guess they made epic movie. But yeah. Like it, just the idea of being following behind. Like we gotta stay behind three days at all times so we don't upset the fellowship. <laughs> Just so they don't, you know, I mean, if they found out that we're back here, they might renegotiate their contracts or something. Like. Yeah. yeah, and if we travel together as 18 instead of 9, then, I don't know, the forces of darkness would probably notice. The cause... world would just crumble. We'd be done. <laughs> Over. Yeah. Good All times. Right, well... Okay, so that is probably good enough. So I'm told you can email the show. You can email the show if you want to. The email address for the show is woodpaneledspaceshuttle at gmail.com. And if you want, you can look either of us up on Twitter and possibly even, you know, Twitter us or talk to us or just see what we're rambling about. I'm twitter.com slash deadlytuke. And I am Captain Sask. And this has been Ground Control, I suppose. Yeah, episode L. So L is for lightning. L is for large hadron and the collider thereof. L is for Lord of the Rings. And L is for League of Legends, I suppose. And ladies. The ladies. Good night, everybody. Have a good one.